In his book about heaven, Randy Alcorn shares the following story about a woman by the name of Florence Chadwick. This goes all the way back to 1952. Florence was a long-distance swimmer, and she stepped on that day into the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, which is off the coast of California. Her plan was to swim from the island to the coast, a distance of about 35 kilometers. That's like swimming from Williams at the waterfront and going all the way down the shoreline over to about Oakville somewhere. So, I mean, a fairly good long swim. And uh, she'd already done long swims like that. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. As she started that day, it was a chilly day. And as they got further into the swim, it started to get more and more foggy. And as the fog rolled in over the water, she started to have more and more difficulty keeping up her pace and her endurance. It became hard to see even the other boats that were surrounding her. Kind of the immediate one was there, but lost sight of some of the other ones. And as she was swimming along, her mother was in one of the boats and encouraging her along. And after about 15 hours, she had really just become exhausted and she wasn't able to go on anymore. But her mother urged her and she went on a little bit further, but finally just physically, emotionally exhausted, she had to stop swimming and was pulled out of the water. And it was at that time, remember this is 1952, so they didn't have GPS and all that type of thing, but they discovered that she was only about a kilometer away from the shore. And in a press uh, conference the next day, she, her comment was this. She said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. All she could see was the fog. Man, can you ever relate to those words? We often live our lives in a fog. We feel like we can't see the end and we just get so uh, surrounded by the problems and the difficulties of life. COVID-19 has been like that, or at least it's added to it for a lot of people. I mean, who would have thought five months ago that we would still be under the uh, protocols that we're facing, that we would still be doing this by uh, pre-recording? You know, all of the changes that we've had to go through, and we're not through it yet. I mean, our schedules have changed, routines and habits have had to change. I experienced it this past week. Uh, one day I went with the students over to Bonanza to pick up a couple of subs as we were in the midst of the move and we wanted to share uh, lunch with everybody and they hadn't been there. So I was all excited and said, oh, you got to experience Bonanza. And we got in the car and we drove over and we were talking and having a great time. We parked, walked up to the front doors and there's the lineup of everybody in masks. And I suddenly realized I forgot my mask. And so did Michaela, who was with me. Uh, Nate had his, but he was driving. And so we talked, okay, what are we gonna do? We ended up having to drive back to the church. And as we were driving back, Nate just made the comment. He said, you know, it's just different preparing to leave these days. You've got to think, have I got my, you know, have I got my wallet, have I got my keys, and have I got my mask? You always got to go out with a mask, be ready for hitting a store, being in a place where physical distancing is problems isn't, uh, isn't possible. You know, it's just a different routine. And who would have thought that we would still be in it? And as we get that locked into our lives and we endure this time, it's obviously changed how we worship as well. It changes how we've gathered together. And I would suggest even more so how we serve together. And perhaps you're feeling like the fog is never gonna let up. You've lost sight of shore. And how do we keep on carrying on? 
And that's why we're in the present series that we're in. We've called it Renewed Rhythms because we know that in this time of the COVID protocols that it's changed so many things for us. And in our spiritual lives, we can probably go one of two directions. We're either gonna fall away into a lethargy and give up because we lose sight of the shore, or what we're hoping by renewing some rhythms is that we're gonna be able to see a progress. We're gonna be able to see a growth, that this will be a time that we can look back on and say, God did some good things in our hearts and our lives as we took stock and we measured ourselves and we began to understand perhaps in some new ways who Christ is in our hearts and in our lives. So we're focusing on a different rhythm each week. Today's rhythm is this whole idea of service or of serving one another. Uh, during these days, some of us have discovered new ways of service during COVID-19. You've got a better understanding of your passage and your gifts. You know, you maybe had some different outlets that you had never really thought about before. God has used you in some brand new ways. Some of us have missed serving in the ways that we did previously. And we're longing to get back to that, getting back into Kingdom Kids or the youth ministry or Coffee's On or some of our outreach ministries. You know, they've all been shut down for so long. We're just, we're looking forward to getting back to it. Some of us have discovered how busy we were before and uh, kind of sat back and said, whoa, this has been a great time just to have a rest and a time to lay low. Some of us haven't really thought about it and actually just need a little bit of a kick in the pants to get started and to be thinking about what it means to serve. So hopefully in the next few minutes, there's going to be something for all of us in that type of experience as we think about what it means to serve God. And then uh, just to challenge you a little bit about renewing some of the rhythms of service and how you can uh, take some time during these days to think about that. And so I'm gonna do kind of a two part here. The first part is I just wanna make a statement and underline it with some scriptures. And then we'll just finish off with just some ideas about what you can maybe do to renew the rhythms of your serving uh, during these days. And as COVID starts to allow us to open up a little bit more and come back into um, some, you know, some different ways, perhaps at church, but back into church life and how we're gonna to minister together. So here's a statement that I want you to take to heart, and it just is very simple. There's nothing rocket science about this. But the statement is simply this, serving others is in the DNA of our faith. All right, serving others is part of our DNA of our faith in Jesus Christ. In July, Derek uh, preached a great sermon about service. Uh, part of the marks of a healthy church. We said that sacrificial service was one of those marks. I'd encourage you to go to the website, check it out, an excellent sermon. In it, he demonstrated that our relationship with God is really the primer for our service. If we know God and we're known by him, we're gonna be moved towards serving others and serving God. And it's kind of the idea that service is this natural outcome of people who are in a relationship with God and desire to see his life demonstrated in them. And I'm gonna pick up some ideas from that and then just sort of flesh it out a little bit more, shine it up a bit for us as we uh, think about this again today. So we're gonna do a number of different scriptures. If you got your Bible with us or your phone, follow along with these scriptures. Uh, they'll be in the notes section, so you can go over to the 
what is it, the left side of your screen and uh, find them there as well. But uh, he ended up on that sermon in Hebrews chapter 9. Great passage of scripture in which the author is coming to the climax of his thesis about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. He's shown him as preeminent over the law and over the prophets and over the angels and over the spiritual world. And as he comes to this particular place in chapter 9, he's just helping us to understand how Christ and his sacrifice at the cross, through the shedding of his blood, uh, makes his sacrifice to be eternally valid, that it's complete, that it's finished. And in that, our salvation is complete and finished as well. So in Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to start reading at verse 11 and uh, just follow along. It's really down about verse 14 that I want you to kind of really pay attention. But starting at verse 11, we read there, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so they are outwardly clean. In other words, it's a temporary kind of effect. There's an outward display of it. There's a deeper cleansing, a full atonement that is ultimately being long floor. And so the author says, how much more then? So in comparison to what the blood of bulls and calves have done, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Christ's sacrifice for us was complete. Our inner being is cleansed from sin. As he he goes on to say, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom, to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Did you hear that? The good news of the gospel is that we are set free from the penalty and the guilt and the power of sin over us. We're brought into an eternal relationship with the living God. And the mark of that relationship is that we're set free from having to serve ourselves, to be in bondage, to trying to make it on our own. In a sense, to always feeling like we're in that fog and we can't see the distant shore. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. We are set free from the bondage of trying to overcome our emptiness through our self-service of working for pleasure or meaning or power. We're set free to being focused on the shores of heaven, to be focused on what we have in Jesus Christ. And in that love and in that anticipation and the fullness of that inheritance, we are then set free to serve him, to join him in what he is doing and what he is accomplishing. We serve the living God, not from a sense of dread or duty, but out of love and contentment for all that he has given us in our new life. It's in our faith DNA to be a people of service. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul underlines that even further. 
He writes to demonstrate in his letter the contrast of living under the burden of law, of under the burden of the law, and to living life in the freedom of grace, to live in the freedom of the Spirit. We see the law is a is a burden that condemns us. It makes us fully aware of how far short we fall of the holiness and the perfection of God. But through grace, by faith in Jesus Christ, we become the children of God. And as children, we are free. In Galatians 5, Paul talks about that freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, he says in verse 1. And then way down in chapter 5, verse 13 of Galatians, he writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, and here it is, serve one another. Serve one another humbly in love. So you're called to be free. Christ has set us free. But he says in that freedom, we need to understand that there is also a a danger. Our freedom isn't a license to live any way that we choose. Rather, we're now free from the chains that kept us in bondage to our sin. Free from the brokenness and guilt that kept us from being separated or, or that comes from being separated from the one in whose image we have been created. And Paul's warning to us is that in that freedom, we can run the risk of falling back into our own selfishness, of looking to fulfill our own selfish desires, indulging in our own flesh, looking to find contentment in the temporal things of this life when God has set us free from all those things to serve him. And Paul says, here's the safeguard for you. Here's the, here's the, the uh, one thing that you can do in your life that's going to help you move away from that self-indulgence. He says, rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, when we serve others, it keeps our eyes off ourselves and it allows God to work through us. To serve others in love grants the Spirit the occasion to demonstrate His love in our inner beings. God's love for us is like a refreshing stream of water. When his love is poured out into our hearts in grace, Romans 5 talks about that, that by the Spirit, he refreshes us with his love. He helps us to know his presence. He helps us to know his cleansing. He under, helps us to understand what it is to be forgiven and our sins washed away and to, to feel that cleansing that, that happens. When his love is active, it cleanses and is alive. But when we try to bottle it up, it grows stagnant. In other words, when we try to keep it to ourselves, it grows stagnant. And Paul is saying, serving one another is what keeps that stream alive. Serving one another is what keeps our eyes from being self-indulgent and looking inward and looking for only that which pleases ourselves. But rather, if we serve one another in uh, a humble love towards each other, there is a refreshing that his spirit can have within our hearts and in our lives. Service is part of the DNA of our faith. The Apostle Peter put it another way in 1 Peter chapter 4. A lot of pages I'm asking you to flip around here today, but in chapter 4, I'm going to start reading at verse 7. Pay attention to verse 10 particularly. But in 1 Peter 4, verse 7, it says this, The end of all things is near. That's just a great way to start any verse, isn't it? (laughs) The anticipation that Peter in his day was thinking, God's going to do something incredible. It's lasted 2,000 years. 
but still we can have that sense. COVID for some people was a signal. The end of all things seems to be near. The world's at peril. But he says, therefore be alert and sober in minds that you may pray. I mean, anything, above anything else, at least these days should be calling us to prayer, but there's more. Because he says, and above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. And then verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That is, that's a great verse to memorize. It's a summary kind of verse about spiritual gifts. If you didn't know anything else about spiritual gifts, hang on to that verse because it tells you about all you need to know. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if he has saved you, if he's redeemed you and he's given you a new birth and you have the life of the spirit within you, he has given you spiritual gifts. And what Peter says, use whatever gift you receive to what? To serve others. That's the focus of the gifts. It's the focus of God's spirit within us is that we are to be outwardly focused. In Philippians, Paul says that we're to look not to the interest of ourselves, but to the interests of others, following the model of Christ in humility. It's a heart of service. And Peter says we have been gifted by the Spirit. It's part of that salvation that we've received. And so as you've been gifted, um, use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's just a great picture of what giftedness or the spiritual gifts are for. It's so that you can exercise and share God's grace and in the various ways that he wants it to be on display. It's coming through you towards other people. And in the body of Christ, we are able to experience the grace of God through the giftedness of the spirit through each one of us as we serve each other using those gifts. He fills it out a little bit more. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Notice Peter really just identifies two broad categories of spiritual gifts, speaking or serving. And really, that's a pretty good category. I mean, we either have God's gift to, with words and courage and bless, to prophesy, to share words of wisdom. There are a whole lot of ways or speaking gifts that God gives us that are used in the lives of other people. Or you will serve. There's a whole lot of ways that we can be actively serving administration and leadership and ministry. A variety of things that God gives people to do to become engaged with others. And all of us can fit within those categories, speaking or serving, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to whom to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I mean, Peter says, here's the, the spiritual giftedness that we have to serve as a part of that faith DNA. As part of the new life that we have in Christ, as spirits imparted spiritual gifts to each one of us. And these gifts are not for our self education but for the body of Christ to be built up and strengthened together. And so as we think our way through this idea of serving, we've been saved, we've been brought into the, the, the relationship with God for eternity that we have these gifts that he's given us and that we are able to follow him in all these ways. 
And as we serve these gifts, or as we minister these gifts towards each other, it's the stewardship of God's grace. It's what God has given us, and then we share that with other people. So the question is, will you, is not, will you serve? Rather, it's how are you going to serve? Where are you going to serve? When are you going to serve? To whom are you going to serve? Uh, these days of COVID-19, I put a lot of things on pause. Church life has changed dramatically, but at its heart, it's still the same. The people of God are still refreshed when they serve him, which practically means allowing his love and his grace to flow through them to others. Serving is in our faith DNA. Take it away, and we are less than we have been created to be. Paul talks a lot about that in Romans 12, briefly. Beginning in Romans 12, verse 9, it's really that whole chapter of, of Romans 12 talks about our service, giving ourselves as living sacrifices. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it begins, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's our kind of our thought, but let me keep going. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I mean, if ever there were words for COVID-19 kind of world, there you go. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I mean, Paul is just calling us towards these attitudes and these demonstrations of God's uh, giftedness and his grace within our lives. But in the middle there, that verse 11, and he says, And never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Do you need, do you need some spiritual zip in your life? Do you need some sense of, of seeing God at work? You need to be active in serving. You need to allow God to minister through you because it's at those moments that we become fully aware of God's presence and, and how he can use us beyond our own capacities. That's the spiritual giftedness. When we're able to see God at work through and in other people because of what he's allowing us to do or to say or to be involved in some ways. And God blesses us and encourages us and builds us up in these ways. One last idea to consider in this whole thing, you know, that whole sense that the, the idea that serving is wrapped up in our DNA is really just to think the, of this. Consider who it is that we follow. Consider who it is that is our Savior. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord. But think about how he's described so often from Exodus through Isaiah and even into the Gospels. It's described as the suffering servant. Mark 10, 45 sums it up. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We follow a servant. Our hearts are, are linked by his spirit. Our hearts are linked with him for eternity, and we follow a servant. And when you think about what the essence of discipleship is, the essence of discipleship is to be a follower, to grow into the one who you follow, to grow into his image, to learn from him, and to ultimately become like him. Romans says that we are being uh, transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. When you 
follow someone. You know, there's that, that saying that the student becomes the master. You know, well, if you, if you follow a, a great chef, what's the anticipation? You're going to become a better chef. You're going to become a better cook. You're going to become a better baker. If you're following a great artist, what does it mean? He's your mentor. He's, you're learning his techniques. And through that, you are going to become a better artist. And ultimately, as you might even become the better artist, the, the teacher becomes the master. Well, what's going to happen when we really follow Jesus? You're going to become a better servant. You're going to become a greater servant towards others. Because what did Jesus come for? He came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. And we are called as his followers to follow in those footsteps of service towards each other in the body of Christ and to this world as his ambassadors to share his life in so many different ways. As for a follower of this great servant, our hearts begin to see others as more important than ourselves. Their eternity begins to weigh on us as we see people lost in their sins. And the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, are where we find encouragement and blessing and purpose is given, and that we know that we have a family that we are bound together with. We follow a servant and are being conformed to his image. Therefore, serving or service is in the very DNA of our faith. But as I say all that, there are many different sides to serving. Serving comes with a whole range of experiences. It comes with exhilarating joy as God uses us. It can be joyous. It can be fulfilling. But we know serving can also be exhausting. It can be frustrating. It leads many to burnout because we can serve in ways that kind of think about our, our theme with not a proper kind of rhythm. You know, we get involved in service that doesn't match up with our gifts. We can get involved in service that we do out of duty and not out of a sense of serving God and, and giving him, giving back to him what, what he uh, has already given to us. And so in these days, when perhaps we are forced to take a little bit of a step back, we have a good opportunity to consider what might be uh, good things for us to be involved in. It's time to take uh, what Dwayne talked about last week, the whole idea of discernment, to take some time and discern what it is to, um, to follow the Lord and express his glory and his grace. Time to just pray through, Lord, how should I be serving? How can I learn from the experiences of these past five months? If you're a follower of Jesus, the first thing you can do is understand that, that as a follower that you have planted in your heart a gift for serving God. Is it being refreshed or is it growing stagnant? Take a look around. Ask where you might invest in someone else. Maybe family, maybe a neighbor, or maybe there's a community need. Secondly, for the past five months, you've not had the same opportunities through our corporate church life to have an outlet for your service. So as we begin to open up a more a little bit, maybe it's time for you to ask yourselves, what have you learned about how you serve? What have you really missed about serving? What are the, what are the ages that God maybe has given you a passion for? What are the, the areas of ministry? Or are there things that you've been learning that you're just dying to share? There's some speaking gifts that you want to uh, have and be able to share with some other people. 
Who are you looking forward to being around? Are you going to get back into a ministry or do you need to explore some other areas? To renew your rhythm is to consider these kind of things. And what if we can't fully engage in some areas right away? Children's ministry might look different for a little while. Is there another way for you to connect? Maybe you want to get back into the children's ministry. Same with youth or with neighbors. Or perhaps it's time to to, uh, get into some kind of study, an exploration. To think about what are your gifts, your passions, your abilities. What's your personality, your experience? How do all of these things add up into the plan that God has for you? How has serving looked for you over all these months? Who are you and how has God, how is God desiring to use you in the great variety of things that he's called you to be in your life? A very different swimmer was a girl by the name of Marilyn Bell. Marilyn Bell swam across Lake Ontario in 1954. She actually swam against Florence and uh, Florence had to give up. Marilyn, though, when she reached the other shore, saw crowds of people cheering her on, and she became a hero to Canada. I think it's a great picture of what it is to serve in the, in the church and to be part of that crowd of believers that is able to see the shore through the crowd, through the fog that might be around for us. God bless as we continue to serve together in the body of Christ here at Houston.